Welcome back to A Hoops Journey. I'm excited to have one of the most successful uh, young coaches we have in our province. Um, a gentleman that maybe a lot of people know as a coach, but don't know that, uh, you know, if you don't live up in Nanaimo and didn't go to the Savoy nightclub back in the day, uh, um, and, uh, you know, or maybe even if you do live on the island, you don't know about his history as a basketball player as well. Um, like I mentioned the most successful coach we have in our province at the PacWest level for sure. Um, you know, two-time national champion as a coach and still a young man at uh, 34 years old. We are super, super thrilled to have Matt Kuzminski on tonight. How are you, sir? I'm doing well, and it's a pleasure to be on. Yeah, thanks for having me. No, of course, man. Um, you know, we just talked quickly offline, but uh, you've got a busy life these days. I know things for VIU are not where you, you guys would like them or your athletes, but it's kind of, you know, we're in a, in a state where everyone's got to stay healthy and do their thing. But uh, how has, you know, the management of family, uh, you know, you're a full-time teacher, doing your master's as well, and then still trying to juggle um, some stuff with the boys at VIU. How's that all going? And are you looking forward to just maybe shutting down for 24 hours over the Christmas break? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I will be looking forward to the Christmas break, but everything's been going well. And, you know, from September, um, it was full-time teaching, master's, family, plus uh, we were at it with the VIU guys pretty heavily. Um, so that stopped a couple weeks ago and it's, you know, it's, it's just still been busy and my days are very routine. I get up in the morning and do my master's work from about five thirty to seven thirty, and then teach for the day and then often come home and exercise and there's family time there. So it's like, you know, it's kind of like groundhog day for me. And it's sort of been like that for a while where I'm very routine oriented. Um, mm -hmm. but things have been good. I've been missing the guys and I've been missing, you know, for this time, the big thing for me, it wasn't so much worrying about the player development side of it. I was just seeing how much of a positive outlet it was for them socially, uh, emotionally, and for their mental health in general, because they were, you know, almost exclusively online classes. And the uh, two hours we may have had together might have been their only kind of social interaction for the day. So, you know, I've been just trying to keep connected with them over text and a lot of them have gone home for the winter break and you know i think they'll be looking forward to a break and they'll be excited to hopefully be able to get back into it in january yeah um it's funny we're recording this at the school and we have a little uh one of our junior coach corbin who produces the show runs our junior team and he's been got a little club called the burnaby knights so he asked me and i just did a 45 minute session and it's the first real coaching that i've done since our season ended kind of in march and it was just so fun to like see the kids and even those you know masks on and everything and and i totally agree like when things come to an end and the reflection happens, it's like, yeah, okay. There were some wins and losses that were great moments, but it's those connections and the time that you, you know, I think unless you've really experienced it, it's hard to put into words how much that is. And I think now we're all realizing since that's been taken away, um, just how important it is to our lives, right? Like we knew it was important, but now it's like, wow, it, that was a huge chunk of my life and, and my being almost, you know, it's that's so true. And it just magnifies the connection aspect. And, I, the feeling you're talking about when we did get back into the gym in September, it was, I had been off from just before our national tournament when it got canceled, basically right until September when we started, I hadn't been in the gym really at all. So it was a super refreshing feeling just to see the guys, to interact with them. You know, the self-deprecating banter that takes place in the gym between the coaching <laughs> staff and everybody else. It's all such a, for me, it's a absolutely refreshing thing and I'll be really excited to get back. Yeah. In. 
Yeah, cool. And remind me again, what are you doing your master's in? I'm doing my master's in athletic leadership and positive coaching through the University of Missouri. And it's an online program. And it was really essentially when I was looking at jumping into my master's, there was tons of options in Canada. Uh, There was different options for coaching, but I've been really into positive psychology and just my personal reading, you know, like it's been beneficial for when I'm doing this course, I can, I've literally been able to just turn around to my bookshelf and use the books that I've read as citations for papers, for discussions, for things like that. So I feel like I've kind of been preparing for this positive coaching, positive psychology type masters for probably the entire time I've coaching, I've been coaching, sorry. And, you know, even when I study the, the game as a coach, I would say, you know, it's, it's definitely leans more to the psychology side of it than mm-hmm. it does to the X and O side of it. And possibly that's because I'm sort of rolling with my strengths. I think for me, it's always been about my ability to build relationships uh, with the guys, my ability to connect with them, to have empathy for what they're going through. Um, that's been my strength. And I guess I've you know, continued to work on developing it. Awesome. I love it, man. I, uh, this is something that, you know, I'm 43, so I'd say the last five, six years and, you know, I did my master's as well, but kind of just like, it's taken a while for me to get there. You know, I was kind of that old school mentality of, you know, hard work, listen and, you know, show up and do what you're told. And that's still important, but starting to realize and, and adjust to the kids and the young men and women that we get the chance to work with and that, you know, we have to adapt to those times too. And I, I totally agree, like seeing our teams that now and that mental side of things um, and then throwing what they're going through in their lives these days is like mind blowing, but that's so cool. And, and, and I'm glad mm-hmm. and I'm assuming that you're getting a lot out of it as busy it is, is and that you're, you know, enjoying the program so far. Yeah, I'm getting a ton out of it. And I think, you know, like even when, uh, you know, I think of the positive psychology thing versus maybe the old school tougher style of things, you know, I, I think that you can still get to a, a super tough, even mentally tough team through, the positive psychology lens through what that entails. Mm-hmm. And maybe we'll get into it more, but um, yeah, mm-hmm. it's been awesome masters. I've loved the fact of being able to work online. Um, some of the things I've really liked about it and, you know, I don't know, do you, do you do yours online or were you in uh, person? Um, it was, it was in class. So it was through Gonzaga and they actually came up. And right. so it was Fridays and Saturdays here, which was good for me because I just needed that accountability, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> like to go yeah, to class. Yeah, so, um, yeah. Yeah, yeah, so that's the way we did it. Yeah. And for me, I mean, it just, I am, you know, I'm pretty routine, like I said. So the fact that I don't have to commute to class and lose hours there, when you go to a class, I mean, you know, that there's always 10, 15 minutes of banter that may not yeah. be specific to the course. <laughs> there may be some questions that may not be specific or they may be specific to that individual. So you kind of get to avoid all those things. And I just really appreciate that with how busy my life is. So it's been good. Yeah. Good. Right on, man. We'll continue success with that. And I'm definitely looking forward to, I had, you know, the opportunity when you guys uh, won the nationals a couple of years ago when Langara hosted and, um, you didn't know, but I was very intrigued in watching you guys play and compete and had the opportunity. I was, um, the game director for a couple of your games. So I was really impressed with, you know, what I saw, not that my opinion matters at all, but I, you know, I'm looking forward to talking to that part about it. Let's just take us back to you as a little guy. You know, we had some funny texting, yeah. getting ready for this uh, podcast, talking about Penticton Hoop Camp. So we like, mm-hmm. I know Nanaimo wasn't your, hasn't been your home for your entire life. So just talk about a little bit about your upbringing and how basketball started to become a part of your life and, and sport in general. 
Okay, yeah. Well, I was born in Hamilton, Ontario, and grew up in Ancaster, Ontario. And I was really lucky when I remember back, we in Ancaster, and it's kind of what we're hoping to get going on the island here, but we had an opportunity to play basketball at a really early age, and we had an opportunity to play games at an early age. So there was a thing, I went to a school called St. Anne's, and on Sunday, there was a league, and we got to go play games, I think as early as probably, you know, grade one, and my dad was the coach. Um, it was horrible basketball, but it was, we were out there. We, we, you know, we felt awesome about being able to play games. We all had our own, you know, the shirts with the numbers on the back. Um, they had this really good pizza after, I think I might remember the pizza more than I remember the games, uh, Roma pizza, <laughs> if anyone's from Hamilton or Ancaster. So we got to do that really early. And then there was even like, um, I didn't realize it at the time, but it was like AAU style basketball called ABC Magic, Ancaster Magic. So when I was probably in grade three, four or five, I was already getting to play in little uh, tournaments where we would travel to Toronto. We would travel to Hamilton um, and we get to play all these games. So I got to jump into basketball early and it was pretty sweet. When we were in grade five, we found out that we were moving from uh, Hamilton or Ancaster out to the West Coast to Abbotsford. We moved to Abbotsford. When I got to Abbotsford, I was in, it was from grade six to eight and my friend group and kind of the, what was happening in the school, um, you know, everyone was more into like skateboarding and things like that. So I started to drift into that and from probably grade six to grade nine, skateboarding was my thing. I pursued it pretty heavily, you know, kind of like I do basketball. I, I, I love the fact that you could do it at any time. You could practice anywhere. Um, so I, I spent a lot of time doing that. When I got to Penticton in grade nine, uh, there was a coach there named Dave Nakoni, and he's still a teacher, yes. he's a counselor. And yeah, you probably know Nakoni. Yes, yeah. and of course. Nakoni would uh, he would basically he my older brother played basketball, and even though I was into skateboarding, I could still kind of play a bit. So he would find me in the halls, and he would always try to encourage me to come out to open gyms. They ran it every morning at seven. It was just guys go out and play. Um, so he'd find me in the halls, and you know, Matt, come on out and play. And I'd be, no, I'm a skateboarder coach. I'm not. I'm not interested in it. I denied him and, you know, kept saying that. And he would get creative with how he tried to get me out. And I remember the one day he told me the story of green eggs and ham quickly in the hall. And the moral of the story is that you don't know if you're going to like it until you try it. So after his uh, constant harassing in the halls, I decided to eventually come out. And on, and that, you know, the rest is somewhat history in the sense that from then on, basketball was my thing. I mean, I love the fact that we could go out there at 7 a.m. and we used to have like 15, 20 guys and we would just have, you know, play open gym before school and you'd kind of clean yourself up and you'd go to class for the day. Um, so that was big. And, and Dave continuing to push me was a big part of me getting back into basketball. And then, so I was kind That's of, cool. you know, I was playing there and about grade 10, I found out now I was just getting settled into Penticton, making a ton of friends. Um, starting to figure out basketball there, you know, the scene was good. And then we found out we're moving again. So this was like our fourth, fourth move in about five years. So this time we were moving to Nanaimo. Um, I wasn't happy at the time, but in the end it turned out to be obviously the best thing ever. I love Nanaimo. But when I got here, I was in grade 10. The day I arrived, the day me and my dad came early and the day I arrived, I remember in, um, coach Simpson who will come up later in our story more uh, I got off the ferry and I, I went right to the gym and they had open gym that night and I jumped in and played. Um, I joined this, I, I played senior basketball that year in grade 10 and my coaches were Bill McQuinney and Tony Bryce. And 
so playing seniors of grade 10 was quite the experience. I, I've gone back and like seen some of my video and I was a scrawny little dude and just out there flying <laughs> around, but you learn a lot being able to play with the older guys. And I think growing up, including the runs at Penticton, it was the fact that I was playing with older people being challenged, playing, you know, having to learn the game, having to also play the game without, uh, you know, being ball dominant, trying to do other things. So that was Mm -hmm. beneficial. And then in my senior years at Dover, that's when, you know, I probably really locked in on basketball. I played on the provincial team in U16 and U17. And then my coach in high school was probably one of my, is one of my biggest mentors in my life. And, you know, was huge for me as far as my commitment to basketball. And that's coach Mark Simpson. Um, He took us to, you know, we went to Pitt Meadows team camp. We went to Western Washington team camp, Gonzaga team camp. We had this full, you know, run of things in the summer. And we, we, he scheduled great games for us and senior boys, which I think is so important for Island teams to be able to play, um, get over to Vancouver and play the best teams there, play the best teams in Victoria. Um, and we had a good team both of those years. We were all grade 11s in my grade 11 year, and we made it to the provincials and I believe got ninth. And then uh, in my grade 12 year, we were a really good team. Again, I think we were ranked number one for much of the year. Argyle ended up winning it. And if you remember, they had a fantastic team with Scott Morrison, Sean Burke, Kevin Shaw, um, lots of players. I think five players who went on to play CIS, U Sports Basketball. Um, but that was the game I broke my I broke my foot in the game against them. We ended up beating them, and they went on to win the championship. But that was kind of the end of the season for me in early February, late January, whenever it was, I my broke my foot and I was in a cast the rest of the way through and um, didn't get to finish my senior year. So that's kind of the high school deal. And So much to just go back on here. First of all, Nax, mm-hmm. man, what a guy. Um, what a guy, like yeah. I, You probably yeah. don't know, like we, we laughed about, you know, you being a, a member of the Penticton camp and, you know, Kev, always we'd always go up and have a couple of the UBC guys with us and we would stay at Chris Terrace's house, right? And then mm-hmm. um, we would mm-hmm. also stay at the Apple Tree Inn, like real classy. Um, yes, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and uh, most most years we broke even on the camp. Like I told you, the casino took most of our money, but um, it's good times. Nakoni would like, one day the water wasn't working at Terrace's and so we got showered at the school and, you know, Nakoni took all our clothes. You know what I mean? Like just a total oh, prankster, yeah, yeah. that guy. Yeah, but, he was uh, a prankster. Yeah, yeah total goofball man i know i have great memories of him and yes absolutely and terrace and scotchburn and all those guys that were around it was it was a really cool environment at the school at the time yeah scotchburn yeah i was actually born in penticton hey were you sweet so yeah yeah we got some weird connections we were born in penticton and uh my dad was the store manager of woodward's department store back in the day and Uh so same with us we kind of traveled around yeah and then i actually lived in victoria i went to willows elementary in victoria and mm-hmm. then, um, and then my parents ended up retiring in Nanaimo for a bunch of years. Wow. That's they always wanted to go wow. back to the island. So, yeah, they lived not far from, um, yeah, for the kind of a departure bay in there. So, some funny connections. Beautiful and, spot. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. They 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 loved it. Um, but that's funny, so, so funny, and just how basketball kind of takes us different places. And then when they retired to Nanaimo, I was still playing, and so I would. There was, I think. It must have been my last year at Lang and then my year at Brandon. I went home. So I worked at like Pepsi Beverage Company. I worked at the in the the warehouse there. And then I went yeah. yeah, And then 
because my old my my uncle was the former principal at Dover. Bill was all he was coaching the team, and I was always there for for open gym. And I played in the and I played in the Mal uh, men's league as well. Yeah. So nice. spent a lot of time. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So the Mar the Mar boys awesome. would pick me up, and we'd go hoop. It was That's fun. Great. It was good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The Mar yeah. boys, beauties. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely, yeah. great dude. Yeah. yeah, lots of uh, lots of stories off the record for there too, but <laughs> we'll share another. Let's, time. Uh, yeah, <laughs> let's like let's just quickly touch on it. Well, not quickly. Let's touch on you know a guy like Mark Simpson. Um, I just like you know he's he's a guy who's never going to come on the podcast because he probably wouldn't want to talk mm-hmm. about himself for that long, right? So let's do his job for him. Um, I got introduced to Mark when I was in high school. I came over for a recruiting trip actually to Mal. Scott Clark was the assistant. Um, it was, you know, Billy Billman was there, Donnie Fitzpatrick, like the, you know, the mm-hmm. kind of the prime sort of Mal Spina yeah. U before, you know, you were got started to take over time. So it got introduced to him there and then just kind of grown to see him and the things that he's done and what he did with Dover. Um, mm-hmm. I just think like, yeah. You know, if you're on the island, you know who he is. If you're really into the mm-hmm. coaching circle in BC, you know who he is. But I'm not sure people really know just how great of a coach he truly was and is still. Sorry. Yeah, and is. And I think it's it's probably for exactly the reason you said he won't go on the podcast. I mean, he does not talk about himself and is not into, you know, receiving a ton of recognition for what he does. He does it because he loves to do it. It's, you know, a guy who's totally intrinsically motivated for coaching basketball. But for those who wouldn't know the name too, it's, uh, you know, Simpson won a national championship at uh, Malaspina University, which is now Vancouver Island University in 1994. And his teams were always awesome there. But when I got to play for Simpson in grade 11, you know, I, I was just admired, blown away and, there's no way you can't kind of rise up to his level with how hard he works, how hard he prepares, um, and how much time he's willing to give. I think when you think about the best high school coaches, uh, those things come into play, but it's especially the biggest thing is probably the time that you're willing to give. Like, are you willing to be in the gym in the summer with the guys? You have to come in in the morning. There's lots of hours that need to be done. It's such hard work. And and Simpson was uh, a machine with that. Um, and he still is, he's the coach. Um, he's our defensive coach right now at VIU and he's been for the last three full seasons and he's still just such a workhorse with everything. He's a leader in that regard, but he was tough. You know, when, when we, he played for us and he wouldn't be for everyone back in, you know, in high school. Yeah. And it was, it was not a recreational thing. It had to be taken very seriously. We ran, it was a fairly easy transition to university in the sense that, Simpson ran our program like a CIS program. We had training camp. We lifted weights. We conditioned unbelievably. We, we were expected to have a high level of concentration for practices that often went past two hours. And, you know, like if Simpson gets any, any grief from me, it's that he would often teach for a long periods of time. And, you know, you'd be coming from a sweaty practice and you'd dry up right there in the practice. And people who play for Simpson will know what I'm talking about. But, and I would ask him about this, and I think there's some truth to it. It's he says that he he's building up people's concentration, that they have to be able to concentrate over long periods of time. That when things get hard, the ability to concentrate is really important. So, you know, like now we we go back and forth now as as coaching together on the pace of practice, and he's sort of changed in that regard. But I could remember that being a big thing: the amount of information that we would be given and 
you know, the level of detail to everything, the amount of redoing things. Um, he really just expected perfection or the pursuit of perfection from us. And, you know, his, his demanding style, like I said, it, it wasn't for everyone, but the people mm-hmm. who stuck it out with him love, absolutely loved him. I mean, I still have a group of friends that I'm very close with from my high school team in, um, in high school. Sorry. And, you know, the admiration for Simpson is unanimous among them. Um, around our community, you know, the level of respect is incredible too. And it's just such a guy who, you know, he does it totally for the love of coaching. Like you said, when you went in your, with your junior team earlier, when he gets in there, he's right into it. And like, it's the most important thing in the world. And, (laughs) you know, coaching with Simpson now for so many years, he was my mentor when I was learning, but, um, you know, being able to coach alongside him now, I just see he's able to, he's a defensive coach and the defensive things can get a little bit boring, you know, closing out every day, all this stuff. But Simpson's able to come in and somehow present it like it's the most important thing that we're going to do today. And, (laughs) you know, what he believes it and it brings a belief in the guys that, you know, we closing out and doing a couple slides to the the baseline is the most important thing we're going to do today. And he sells it and, you know, his passion and all that is just, made him an incredible coach so i can't say enough about him um super lucky to have him around our program recently he just had he became a grandfather too with um two young grandchildren so he's things are going good for him nice it's a unique skill i think as a coach right to just have kids to just or young men whoever it is young women to just buy into whatever it is you're trying to do right and you know just interesting for you to paint that picture for him because from what i know and just the conversations we've had which are which are many like trying to visualize him what he truly is like a coach and like the opportunity was it was it weird when he first like when you look down and you're like damn he's like actually on our bench right now and i'm the head coach was that an interesting transition or like how how did that go about did he kind of just say hey let you let me know what you need or because i think that's kind of that's probably got to be a pretty special moment for you now it's just it's day in and day out but when your biggest yeah. mentor is now you know, working alongside you, it's like, whoa, this is like mini pinch me moments, you know? Yeah, it is amazing. And it's, it's been, it seems normal now because it's been a while, but it, it really came about, I mean, I would talk to Simpson all the time when he wasn't coaching with us and he kind of, he would watch our games and on on Sunday we would still debrief kind of like we do now. Um, He would always give me his feedback, but it was kind of, I think we're about five years in, Avneet, Scott and I, we've been coaching for five years and it was starting to feel a little bit stagnant. So bringing Simpson on was ultra refreshing. It was amazing. And it was a thing where when I approached Simpson, and I think this is kind of how it should be. If you have a good person that you're going to ask to come onto your staff to coach, you ought to give him a lot of responsibility and kind of let him him roll with his strengths. And I, I could remember, and I know that Simpson took pride in it all, he was always such a great defensive coach. You know, if you followed some of his island championship wins, I think he might have won some games in the 40s. So, it was, you know, it was mm-hmm. ugly hoops at times, but he's grinding it out. And so I when I approached him to start coaching with us, it was I would like you to be the defensive coach. You will be you know, you'll be you'll be running. You'll be the head coach for a certain portion of every practice. And I really, it's really how it is. I mean, we talk all the time about our goals and and we're in sync with those kind of things, but it's, he is the defensive coach. It's, you know, he is the head coach at that time. And I shift back to being an assistant and, you know, even with Avneet is taking on some more responsibilities in practice. And as he continues to grow, 
as a coach, I think it's important for me to be able to step back. And this year's provided a lot of that opportunity with very little pressure to really allow those guys an opportunity to expand. And what I've learned when I'm, when I am stepping back first, I can do a lot more things from when someone else is teaching as far as correcting guys, because I'm not so focused on running the actual drill or the thing. Um, but they're doing the job better than I could too, in a lot of aspects. So it's, you know, and they're feeling empowered and they're feeling, uh, you know, practice is a lot more fun when you have a big involvement. So I think it's, it's a no brainer and I've been, I've been really enjoying it. And I learn a lot when those guys are coaching from them. So it's valuable all around. Awesome, man. Shout out Av. He's like one of our top five fans for sure on the pod. Him and I message a lot. So I know he's going to be thrilled too. I'm not, I didn't, I didn't tell him if you told him that you're on, but I know he'll be excited that you are. So yeah, yeah. I'm like, I cut, I kind of want to message him now, but I also kind of want to just pop it on him. But uh, cool, man. And we, you know, our, our our latest release was Barnaby Craddock. And, you know, one of the things that he said too was, you know, you're only as good as your assistant coaches. And I think that's good value for any of the coaches out there that are listening. And, um, it was cool. I mean, it's obviously an extreme example, and I want to get back to kind of university for you in a sec here. But um, when I went to the Duke clinic, it, yeah, it's, you know, he had Woj and all these, but like Coach K hardly ran a damn thing. Like he was mm-hmm. observing so much of practice, and that really hit me. And I, and I didn't think of it from a, well, this is big time D1. I was like, he set up an environment where his coaches feel empowered. And then he's just, and he was doing exactly that. A play would stop and he wouldn't even talk about the teaching point. He'd grab someone else from a different mm-hmm. perspective that maybe someone else wasn't looking at. So I thought, damn, what a, what a great situation that would be to be in. And it takes a lot of relief off from, of you as a head coach as well, just knowing that you have some, some guys in the room that you can trust as well. And then they feel empowered. So that's great takeaway right there, man. That's free pro D right there. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, now you, you touched on in high school, like, you know, you kind of have a tough ending to your, to your senior season and break your foot. But when did you start to think about, um, you know, I'd like to move on post-secondary. Was it just, you know, I think maybe that there's a, an idea for maybe some mainlanders that people just only go to UVic or how did that unfold for you and who was recruiting you or did you, was it something you wanted from a younger age, even before grade 12? Yeah, I think so. I think I always, I wanted to, and maybe you know, like when you're, when you're at a younger age, you probably think you're going to Duke or North Carolina and then things become a little bit more realistic as you get into your senior years. But I had not a ton of interest, but I had, uh, Malaspina, which was now VIU, but, um, University of Victoria with Craig Bocamp and then Simon Fraser University with Scott Clark were my main areas of interest. I think I had some calls from some schools in the East coast, but I wasn't interested in going. So they were really quick calls. Um, but it was, it came down to Simon Fraser and UVic when I was coming out of high school. And I, my girlfriend at the time in, from high school, Caitlin, who is now my wife. So we've been together, I'm 34, we've been together 17 years now. So half of our lives, we, yeah, a long time. So we, um, she was part of the reason why I decided to go to Victoria just so it was a bit closer for the distance, but we did long distance for two years and. UVic was a great experience. I mean, it's such a nice school. We had in those years, you know, two of the closest teams that I've ever been a, ever been a part of, whether it's through coaching or playing. Um, we yeah. had some great names. If you're an island guy like Chris Chumpy, Tyler Haas, Steve Moore, Brandon Ellis, uh, Jacob Dirksen played for us. Um, so my first year, we were when you I came were stacked, to UVic, man. We were, 
yeah, but we were, when I arrived there, we were not expected to be good and not say, not at all saying that I changed the thing, but when we came in, it was the Pacific division back then. And I believe we were ranked, we were right. preseason predicted to finish last in the Pacific division. We were kind of like a, a bunch of grinders. We're not a flashy team. Um, but guys like, you know, Trumpy and those kind of guys, they refused to lose. So we, we were, we were, we were kind of, yeah, I guess an ugly team sort of thing. We won in the sixties. We played an old school Princeton style of basketball, a lot of chin shuffle, cut, repeat, chin shuffle, cut, repeat, where we wanted to kind of control possession and not turn it over. The shot clock was 30 still at the time. Um, but we got better as the year went on and kind of like we were all, you know, we might've been leading the Pacific division or second around Christmas time. And there was some surprise, but we just kept getting better. And that year, I think I broke my foot again at the end of the year. So I was in the rotation. I was maybe a uh, kind of seventh, eighth man getting to play 15 minutes a game or 10 minutes a game. Um, but I broke my foot at the end of the year. So I did not get to play in the national tournament, but we finished fifth in that year. So it was a great finish for us. Um, as a, a player, I started to, you know, see guys like Trump, Chris Trumpy, who was our captain and, you know, just the qualities of refusing to lose. I mean, he was probably one of the best players I've ever played around and he averaged like 12 points a game, six assists mm-hmm. a game. It wasn't anything crazy, but he was just, he could you know, hoop, that refused to lose. He, and he willed to win and yeah, he could for sure hoop. And so we returned the next year. Uh, we returned most of our guys um, except our point guard, Sean Doherty and Trumpy now moved down to point guard the following year. And we had an amazing year. We won the Canada West, uh, championship. And then we lost to Carlton in the national final. Um, we were right out. I think we were down by two with a, f- a free throw at the end and we missed a free throw box out to kind of lose the game, but we were right there. Uh, Carlton had, you know, they were on right at the start of their run, maybe, I don't know. I don't know how many in they were, but they had guys like Oswaldo Jonti, uh, Aaron Dornicamp, um, like, so, you know, and I didn't, I didn't, I, w- I was a second year player at the time and I did get to play some minutes in each of the games, but I was a role player. I played, I backed up Trumpy. So, you know, by the end of the season, Trumpy wasn't, you know, he's was playing the whole game. So I wasn't getting in much, but the experience was amazing. Uh, the intensity in some of the games, um, just seeing, it was the first time too that I really got to understand, and I don't know if it quite hit me yet, how powerful a team that is together um, and that has res- like a group resiliency that isn't going to give up and turn on each other. How powerful that is, because we were definitely not the most talented. We were when we pull up at the airport. If there's a eye test from everybody, you know, we might have lost the tournament off the eye test. But um, <laughs> when it came down to it, we were just a tough out, and we didn't turn the ball over. We didn't. You know, we rarely made mistakes and we had a, some great leadership on our team. So that was an amazing experience. And, um, yeah. And then unfortunately I had another injury, broke my foot. And then I sat out a year before eventually transferring to Simon Fraser. The same foot? I had, uh, the left, I fractured the navicular bone in the left foot once. And then I fractured the fifth metatarsal in my right foot twice and required surgery on the last one. So that last one, I required surgery and I took the year off and just did some courses at VIU and came home, lived with my family. I worked at the Royal bank at the time as a teller. And, uh, I was really lucky that year that I was off at UVic or sorry, at VIU taking courses that uh, Chris Franklin, who was the coach of the Oak Bay Bays, was also 
he was doing his practicum for teaching uh, in Nanaimo and doing his teaching program through VIU. So Chris, uh, I knew Chris from, he coached my brother at Regina, so another small world thing. But Chris dedicated, you know, a couple hours, maybe three hours a week where he trained with me. And that was huge um, just to help me, you know, stay in shape and prepare the right way to return eventually to uh, SFU. So that was, you know, another big person in my life, Frank. And, um, you know, I still keep in touch with him always. And and then it was on to SFU after that. That's cool, man. Yeah. You know what? I forgot that he was at Regina too, but um, it's funny how kind of just different people sort of pop in and, and are willing to kind of look out for you and, and just through the game, of you know, a game like basketball and kind of, and then you think back to how much those people really meant to you because maybe it's even when we're in it and we're young and we're kind of selfish, we're like not even aware of what these people are actually doing and how they're impacting our lives. But to look back and be like, damn, like there's a lot of people that put their neck out there for me, right? Absolutely. And I think that you and I are teachers and obviously dealing with these populations. I think that's something that's important for us to keep in mind because, you know, I could remember too, even myself, like a guy who I love, Simpson, I was a jerk to him at times, you know, I was an ass at times. And, um, so it's when guys are doing this to us or when, when moments like this might happen, it's, it's just not to take it so personally and try to step back and look at the grand scheme of things. And, you know, hopefully that can be something that we can not overreact with and, and, and know, know that in, in the grand scheme of things that the impact will be there. So, and then how were those last few years at SFU? Yeah, they were great. The last few years at SFU were, I was able to go in in my, to start my third year and I was a starter all three years. So it was just a really good fit personnel wise. I had known coach Clark, uh, because he's such good friends with coach Simpson prior to going to SFU. His coaching style Mm -hmm. is a lot like coach Simpson's. Um, they kind of came up in the same tree. So I had a bit of a leg up in the sense that, uh, you know, just like the terminology and the detail they teach with. So I felt, I felt quite comfortable from that regard. And then I was able to play with, um, some great guys. I mean, Kevin Shaw and Sean Burke were, we were the backcourt at Simon Fraser for all three of those years. And those guys have been, you know, two of my closest friends that I still keep in touch with these days. And I think back on my time, just being with them so fondly. Um, we were good all years we were kind of a playoff team but to make the national tournament I realized after uh is a very very hard thing you get you to go your first two years with you Vic and there's a tendency for young players in those situations just to think that it's going to happen you know often yeah but it's it's a very yeah. very hard thing to do in, in U sports and I, you look at it now obviously to win a U sports championship because of Carlton is almost impossible but just to go play in the national tournament as the final eight teams, that is a a crazy accomplishment. We were never able to get there at SFU. My last year, uh, we were 14 and four and we had a good team. We were running the Princeton offense and we had great personnel for it. Guys who could dribble, pass, shoot. Uh, we played really unselfishly. We were not the most athletic team at all, but we played against university of Calgary in the game to go to the national tournament and we did not win. So that was, that was it for that season. But I just look back on, you know, that season. And it's like the UVic years where we were such a close group. And I think that helped us to overachieve a little bit. Good Lad Clothing is the most unique shopping experience in the Lower Mainland. The owner, Shane Meyer, has worked hard to create a personal experience, offering clothing, specialized coffee, haircuts, and beard trims. Located in Lower Lonsdale at 221 West Esplanade in North Vancouver, 
seconds from the CBUS. If you are unable to make it to the store, you can shop online at shopthefoldgroup.com. And oh yeah, in store, if you mention a hoops journey, you'll receive 15% off anything store-wide. We want to take a moment and thank our sponsor, Parkside Brewery. Located in the heart of Port Moody on Brewers Row, Parkside offers an amazing atmosphere with one of the best summer patios around. If you can't make it to the brewery located at 2731 Murray Street, then hit any government retail store and try the Don Pilsner, the Dusk Pale Ale, or my favorite, the Dreamboat Hazy IPA. A Hoops Journey promises that the beer at Parkside is much, much, much better than the owner, Sam Payne's Streaky Jump Shot. We hope to see you Parkside. I, you touch on something that's, I think, so overlooked. And, you know, I think of like, you know, my buddy Kev Hansen, where people, you know, some people in the community say like, oh, well, he hasn't won. And it's like, well, and it's like, do you realize how hard it is to actually just like grind through a full season of travel in, you know, of Western Canada and then and then actually being able to qualify for the Nats? Like, it's exhausting. Mm-hmm. It's like, and, yeah. and it's just, it's it makes Carlton's what they've been able to do look like it's untouchable. Right. But for everybody else, mm-hmm. like that is running things on a regular basis, it's, it's, it's crazy. And, and you realize, and it's funny how you had that perspective early on, which I'm sure carried into kind of your coaching career and, and just understanding that these are, these moments are hard to obtain. And it's, you know, when you're young, you think, Oh, that, that wasn't really that much work. We had some guys who got along and this will, you know, maybe we'll make the nationals four to five years. And then it's like, Whoa, this is a grind. Yeah. Yeah. It's tough. And I think what I learned from coach Clark when I played for him too, is he, the focus was really on the process and not the outcome. So then you can begin to evaluate yourself. Um, not, you know, your evaluation of yourself is not based on the result. Uh, and that's something yeah. I've really taken forward to all areas of my life, but it has to be the truth. I mean, especially like when you think of you sports, if Carlton's going to win almost every year, we can't define our seasons by the success of our seasons by winning a national championship. There has to be a other criteria to evaluate ourselves. So I think that's what uh, one thing I learned from it. Awesome. And then one thing I found intriguing when you, well, you got the coaching bio and then your other bio you sent me was like, uh, I think it was less than 31 characters, but um, <laughs> you get yeah. like, you got right into coaching pretty much right after SFU, I believe was it 10, 11 where you went back to Dover. Is that correct? Yeah, it's a it's a yeah. it is a weird experience. The story the story will be a good one. It's but I was uh, after Simon Fraser, I went to VIU Vancouver Island University to take my post back in elementary education. And the first year of that post back, I coached assistant coached the senior boys team with Mark Simpson and Avni was assistant coach as well that that time. And then actually partway through the year, Frank joined the staff too. So, you know, like I was maybe number two in line or something and getting to say some things in huddles and then frank comes along and <laughs> and i just get knocked down the totem pole but that's okay um but that was so that was a great year getting to learn from those guys um we didn't have necessarily a great team but we were able to you know still make it to the provincial tournament and just to learn yeah. from simpson was awesome i didn't know at the time um that i wanted to continue to coach it was just like 
you know, I'm in the teaching program. I might as well volunteer and help a guy who's meant so much to me. But yeah. I took the following year off after that. I finished up my teaching program. My wife and I got married. We bought a house. We went on our honeymoon to Southeast Asia. And then I come back from Southeast Asia, and it's March of 2012. And I'm like, okay, i got to figure something out here to get a job. And I'm applying everywhere. Um, I'm, I'm a qualified teacher now, but I'm, I don't know if I'm going to get on. It's, it was a bit tougher to get mm-hmm. on back then. And um, so I'm applying at all kinds of different places. But I do get a teaching job, and I start that. And then I start going out to uh, VIU, and Coach Bryce has decided that he would no longer coach the men's team. So there's an o- open position. And while I'm going out to play with the guys, some of them start saying to me, you know, Matt, you should think about coaching the team. I'd known them for a while. I'd kind of been... I mean, I guess a bit of a peer mentor to to some of them. I had coached some of them actually at Dover. So there was a connection there. But I'm like, guys, I'm 26 years old. I don't, I mean, I've had one year of assistant coaching. No, I'm not, you know, whatever. Thanks, though. And then my mom, the ultra positive person, she starts going into it, too. And she always calls me, Matty, Matty, you should go out and coach the team and you can do it and all this. And so I started saying, Mom, thanks. You know, like, I appreciate that. And a couple yeah. people just started saying it and I'm like, you know what, whatever, I will apply and it'll be a good experience to go for it. So I do mm-hmm. apply and, um, with my very little experience, I get a job interview and yeah, I mean, essentially Bruce Hunter, who was the athletic director at the time after meeting me and interviewing me and, um, you know, talking about my plan, which I'm not sure how solid it was, decided to take a chance on me. And yeah, yeah. And I got the job and it was, there was a lot of surprise. Like I can remember an article that my wife saved and that we looked at after we won the national championship in our first year. And it essentially was like, you know, new coach, uh, they're skeptical of it and not much to expect. I think even Bruce himself in the article, who is you know, one of my biggest supporters, the AD Bruce said, um, I think Matt's going to come in and, and do a good job and they can be competitive in first year, but by no way, by no means do I think that they'll be able to compete for a national championship, something along those lines. And he didn't mean it in yeah. a bad way. He, I think he was probably more trying to take the pressure off me. Yeah. But absolutely. that first year we came in and we came in and coached, it was like, okay, shoot, I got to hit the ground running here. And they, we, we didn't have any starters from the previous year's team. Uh, maybe Brandon Jones started some of the time and kind of, I think Coach Bryce had had part of the reasons he left, and I'm I'm not exactly sure of this, but he had his second kid. Uh, he he had graduated a bunch of seniors. It probably felt like the time was right. So there wasn't a ton of expectations for us, and we were able to hit some good recruits. And for me personally, it was like, okay, when I'm starting to think about what I'm going to do, it's I'm going to go with the only things that I know. And I basically tried to copy all the things that we did with coach Clark, including the offense. Um, you know, the things he did defensively, uh, we, I just tried to, you know, that's, that's what I remember doing as a player and I'll, I'll, I'll keep it simple. And that's what we'll try to do. We did that. And I think there was that factor of, you know, I don't know if you've encountered this Aaron, but it's almost like the more, you know, the harder it becomes to decide on things or like, in my, in my mm. years after that, it's like I'm studying the game and I'm studying all these X's and O's and things. And you have so much in your brain that it might be harder to gather your thoughts. Well, that first year, it was simple because I knew something. I did it. And, you know, I think that the guys kind of rallied around me, too, being a beginning coach. And the fact that 
you know, they were being disregarded a little bit and the expectations weren't very high on them. And they had lost um, some big games down the stretch. And some of those players had a bad sour taste of losing those games in their mouth. And I think it was just a combination of all that, plus the enthusiasm of me, Scott, and Avneet, and, Jim, and Coach Jim Enjai, who you probably know too. He was with us at the time. Present. Um, yeah, Jimmy. But yeah, it was a, it was an amazing year, and we went through. We were sixteen and five. We lost in the Pac West final to an amazing Langara team, like one of the best teams that you know I think that have been in the Pac West in a while. But we lost in the final to them. We go on to the national tournament in Montreal, and Langara ends up losing in the semifinals. And I remember um, we we beat. In the first game, we beat Red Deer, who was a good team. And then we beat Toronto uh, Sheridan from inner city Toronto. And they were a pressing team all up in our face. They ran a 2-2-1 the whole time. Um, we were able to sneak out a win there. And then we watched the semifinal, Langara versus Holland. And when Langara lost to Holland, I remember I was walking with Clayton Billet, one of my uh, senior players. And I, I said to Clay, I'm like, hey, man, shoot, I think we can, you know, I think we can win this. I wasn't sure we could ever beat Langara because they were they had Brody Gray, Jitlock, and Elliot Mason, um, tons of just they were they were stacked. So when that happened, it was like we went into the final and you know we felt good. And that was another team, just like my team at UVic, that we just weren't going to beat ourselves. We were going to fight to the end. We weren't going to turn it over, and we were very close together. And yeah, we were able to win the national championship, and it was a bit of a surreal experience. You almost you know, you don't even know what to, I didn't know what to expect at the time. It was just you're yeah. lost in all the emotion of it. And yeah, you know, I can think back to all the the work that we put in, like as as first year coaches, we're, we're, we're at the national tournament where we didn't have like uh, Wi-Fi and laptops at the time. So we're down in the business center. Yeah. <laughs> Me, Avneet and Scott Meyer were watching games till like four in the morning. Um, we're charting out <laughs> like things like this guy goes right to a pull-up this many times this guy goes right to a rim drive like we're we were busting our asses trying to get some detail out of it and yeah it was just a really fun experience and um it's funny something I did, you, uh, did you did you ponder retiring after that just one year <laughs> yeah well yeah i right away it was you know i i thought about that but then the the feeling of like you it doesn't get validated until you get another one came into my mind and that probably was a bit problematic at times because <laughs> you know, maybe for the next couple of years, we, we, I possibly, you know, recruited like when I, even when I've spoken to you now, you can just see how much I value togetherness, character, that tough collective team. And I probably recruited a little bit more talent at the expense of character at times uh, mm. in those next couple of years. And that I learned a valuable lesson eventually from that, that, you know, we were, we had a year where we were 20 and 0 in 2016 and then we lost in the national final four. And I could remember after that game, just feeling mm. as like, you know, you're, you're 20 and 0 and you win in the national, or you lose in the national final four. That's a heck of a year. But I could remember feeling after that game that, you know, I was, I was sad. I was upset. I was disappointed. I felt like I maybe compromised on my values throughout the season. And, um, it wasn't a sustainable feeling for me as coaching that, you know, like I just, I believe so much in doing it the right way. And, um, that it was a great reminder for me to get back to that track. And, you know, I think that we've, we've definitely headed back in that direction. And yeah, 2019 was another example of us definitely hitting a group that was as close as could be and, and would never give up. 
and yeah, I won't talk about that, but I just listening to you talk is like, I can't help because there's this year episode will be out in a few weeks after we record, but Barnaby is the recent one. So I've listened to it a couple of times again and him just, there's so many parallels. I don't know if you know his story, but like, you know, he gets the job at Brandon and AD kind of takes a risk for him. And then they ended up making it all the way to the national final that year. Like, but they lost to Carlton, mm-hmm. but like just kind of those parallels in terms of like, he's sitting around going like, I don't know. I didn't know Jack then. Like, how did we, how did we did manage to get a group of guys to the final, you know? So it's just, I, I, I yeah. find that super intriguing. Yeah. Um, and it kind of, it's like, it's not, it's not about what we know. It's about what we can teach to our players. So again, I think it's that overload of information that we all have as coaches in our head it can sometimes be a bit of a, a drawback if we can't simplify it and make it, you know, what the, what the players need to hear. And then let's, I mean, your, your coaching resume speaks for itself and the, the, the wins. And, you know, you obviously can hear in your voice, you're a super humble guy. And, but I just, that 2019 year, it was super interesting for me. Um, I haven't, you know, someone who played in that league back back in the day, um, mm-hmm. and just you know haven't had the opportunity to be around watching as much basketball as I would like because you know been involved in coaching senior boys and trying mm-hmm. to start a family and things like that. And so it was really fun. I'm good friends with Jake McCallum, the AD at Langara, and when he asked me to kind of game direct, I thought, and Eve sent the email. I was like, yeah, like I'm all over this. Mm-hmm. Let's see, you know, I can't wait to see. And just the resilience that your guys' team showed, like the the first round game, I think was Sate, was it not? Yes, that's right. And you guys were, you you didn't look great. You didn't look like you were playing, you know, the way that you guys wanted. But I just was observing the coaching staff, the guys on the floor, the guys on the bench. No one was really panicking, and Sate kind of just they unfolded but i think it was your guys's ability to stay strong and kind of stay the course at that as opposed mm-hmm. to like sate blowing up i think your body language and how you were competing was making sate get frustrated and i was like damn that was like super impressive um mm-hmm. and then i can't recall who the semi but the semi was kind of the same thing too and ben, i thought yeah. jesus man like this is it was super impressive stuff man i'm not trying to freaking toot your horn i mean you'll you'll probably put it all on the players but um mm-hmm. it just was clear that you guys had a culture and a strong culture in your locker room yeah we do and i think i mean when i think about the the calmness we were able to show there was a few years too uh before that where i felt like i was losing my composure on the bench and that was looking like uh taken out on the referees and focusing too much on that part of the game at that point in my life mm-hmm. too i also got really into uh mindfulness and i continue to practice it to this day and it's just the non-reactivity the ability to stay in the present moment that comes from that and we did actually we we practiced mindfulness with our 2019 team um throughout the week and prior to our our meetings before i would come into the pregame meeting so we would you know do a a two minute quick two minute breathing thing and that would just prepare the guys to be able to listen to me and i think that contributed to it a little bit Hmm. um as far as just being able to stay calm and i think if it didn't contribute to the players it contributed to my ability to stay calm and i think that we know that as the coach goes, the players can go sometimes. When I start to get on the referees or lose my composure, the players follow suit. When I am able to stay calm, I feel like they're more able to stay calm. So that was a big part of it that year. And, you know, the, the resiliency thing was tested at several times throughout the year. In the West final, we were playing Douglas and Courtney Anderson. The game, we were down by 
uh, the game was tied and Douglas had the ball with about 10 seconds on his side out. Courtney Anderson, who was their really good guard, uh, he drove to the right and he pulled up and like it had a double clutch and hit a shot to go up by two. And there was, they all celebrated and the, the, play, the fans ran the court and stormed the court, but there was still a, a minute or a, a second left on the clock. So we walk into the huddle and we had this play called Phoenix Lob that we had practiced for probably two or three years and we'd ran it in practice and we'd won games in practice with it, but we'd never been able to use it in a game. And essentially what it is, is it's like a back screen and a rescreen at the top with some misdirection in the bottom corner. And we had a guy, the guy setting the back screen was Landon Radliff, who was um, a really good shooter and good guard, you know, the national MVP, I believe, when we won it that year eventually. But Tyus Barfoot, who is, you know, a legend in my books in all regards, but he's a great freak athlete. And so we ran a back screen for a lob for him at the end. We played played Nanaimo and Mark at the Provincials Mm -hmm. one year. Right. Yes. Yes. He almost yeah. dunked with his armpit, if I do recall. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. So he's. So we ran a log play for him. It's a luxury to have a guy like him, and we were able to get that and tie the game. Then we won in overtime. So that, you know, that was just such a reassurance for me that all the preparation you do, you know, it may not show up, but when it does show up, it's obviously very important. So that that mm-hmm. I took a we took a lot of personal pride in being ready for that. And obviously it saved our season. So we were able to move on to the national tournament. And like you said, when we got to the national tournament, it's another one where our, our team, other than Tyus, I mean, we probably weren't passing the eye test. We weren't the most athletic team. We were a bunch mm-hmm. of skilled, um, you know, we could dribble past shoot. So it fit well with what we do, but Ty was really our only deluxe athlete we had. And we play Sate and they're a much more athletic team, probably a bit more up and down than us. And like you said, we went down 17 in the third quarter and, or into, into halftime. And the message going into halftime was, was just guys, we're not going out like this. So if we go down, we got to go down on playing on the front foot on, you know, being the first to hit all those kind of things. So that was the message. Let's go out aggressive. And we did that. We were able to come back and win Sate for sure you know, folded and uh, not folded, but they, I don't know, when I watched the game back, they were just made some really poor decisions to help us out too. But we were able to advance and move on. And that's really all it's about in, in the national tournament. And then the next game we play Vanier and Vanier was a stacked. Right. They're oh incredible. They have Karim. That's who it was. Oh my well, God. they have Karim Maine now and Karim Maine has signed with, I believe it was the Orlando magic on a two way. Orlando. Now yeah. the, Orlando yeah no they're younger he's younger at the time I mean he's probably 18 years old at the time um but they Weren't had they undefeated though great players they were undefeated they were really 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 good even playing them I, I remember you know you don't you don't ever show these emotions to your players or whatever but uh Scotty's kind of my guy on the bench and I remember going to him like dude this I don't know man this doesn't look great like they were just kicking our ass and they were they were looking like better players but Again, it was, you know, the idea of just to stick with it, stay with it, keep, you know, we, we always say the words next play, next play, right? And we were fortunate enough to have Tyus and to have a guy named Harry Fail, who was our point guard. Um, those guys just didn't show emotions. They never backed down. They never, you know, they're so even keel and such hard workers that I always felt like we did have a chance. And the message was the same again going into halftime. And we were down this time. It was 17, as late as like a couple minutes left in the third quarter. Um, so in basketball terms, I mean, that's that's not a, that's grim right there. 
And we were able to, again, start chipping away and coming back. Uh, I think we were able to, our defense was able to get rolling a bit. And then our shooters, uh, Landon Radliff and Cameron Gay got hot as well as the, you know, the great play from Harry, our point guard. But yeah, it was, uh, we were able to come back and I think that we won that one in the last few minutes by a couple and moved on to the national final for a rematch against Sheridan from our 2013 year coach. Jim Flack is the coach there. And he was still there, um, from when we played him previously. And this time we, the table sort of turned around. We came out, uh, and they were running a two, two, one press. And I, I knew that from, um, 2013, that that's what their, their deal was two, 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 one back to two, three. So we have a press attack where, you're going to get like a flash and then a fly action on the backside. And I'm like, guys, you're going to get the best shots that we're going to get are going to come early in the press. So we have shooters and they both end up running up the wing. And I'm like, if you get open threes early in the game, we're taking it. If not, we're trying to get into what we call pop playing off penetration where we're driving and kicking, driving and kicking. And we say, get them on the run, keep them on the run where the defense is never catching up. Because I felt like the worst thing that we could have done in that situation, the worst, and you probably know this when teams are pressing, is to pull it out and try to set something up and allow them to reset their defense. So we got them on the run and we made shots early and I think they ended up taking their press off and went back man. And then it became a grinded out affair where they got themselves back into the game. Uh, We went down in the fourth quarter, but again, it was the, you know, the resiliency, the toughness, the level-headedness to stick with it and we were able to win by I believe it was three points and become the 2019 national championships at home at the Langley Event Center in front of all our family and friends which made it incredible I mean in 2013 we won across the country and it was you know you're after a game like that you win and you have your teammates too but you always also want to be with your people and support so to have my wife and son run across the floor have my parents there I mean we must have had our island section was, you know, rolling deep. So all, you know, Jim, all my friends were there. It was, it was a great experience. Um, yeah, one I'll never forget. Did you ever think that at the end there, when they launched it at the horn, did it, did you, it had a kind of a chance for a sec, right? Oh yeah, it did. It did. I think it hit the rim or something, but yeah, you don't, yeah, you don't celebrate, yeah. you don't celebrate early. Yeah. That's for sure. You know? Yeah. And you don't <laughs> feel very good until, you know, so yeah, but once that thing hit, once that thing missed, the rush, the feeling, the the excitement, like, and even the fact that I like, I, like I said to you when we won in 2013, I felt a personal sense that I it had to be validated again, and it obviously mm-hmm. took you know several years, so there was a bit of joy of just reaching that, um, and then the joy of doing it with Scott again, with Abney, and then with Coach Simpson. We, Coach Simpson and I had some good moments because we reflected on our grade 12 year where he coached me and I think we would have had a chance to do really well then but it was like you know mm-hmm. things kind of came full circle and we, we were able to do it now so yeah it's funny on the other end of it hey yeah mm-hmm. cool yeah. and also too like I think it's important to note that that year like I mean Douglas was stacked too but Langara had the host bid right so you guys were playing yeah. for one spot and that was it right like mm-hmm. That, that mm-hmm. could have very well have been a Douglas VIU national final if you both were able to go. But it was a year where mm-hmm. it was one birth, and, and that's what happened, you know? It's wild. Yeah. And the same thing, I mean, when this year got canceled, this 2020 national championship, I mean, Douglas was stacked again. Coach Joe had a mm-hmm. great team, and 
we had a battle against them in the Pac-West final. And I thought that we were both going to the national tournament. I thought there could have been a chance that we might've been able to play each other in that tournament too, because you yeah. know, we, we were both pretty good. I, it's also interesting too, like talking about kind of when you're younger um, and just you're as a coach, kind of letting your emotions go on the referees. Clearly that was never at home because I don't remember ever getting a call at uh, Malaspina university college. Let me tell you. <laughs> Yeah, I bet. Hey, yeah, I remember you referencing <laughs> on on the Hides podcast. You got into Tony McCrory Senior about his officiating. Yes. So, yes, I remember senior. that. Senior, <laughs> yeah, senior. Yeah, also yeah. also a top five podcast listener. He will appreciate the shout out here. That's amazing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah he's a good can't, supporter of BIU too. So yeah, can't can't touch on the you know, the Island ball without making a jab at the rest. Although we love you when St. Thomas Moore comes over. We do. We really do. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. Before we start to move to kind of just start to wrap it up. I think you touched on something cool. Any reflection on kind of the thing that I was always so impressed with was when I went, when we went to play at Mal, there was no other experience. Like there's something to be said for the smaller communities. Like when we played at UCC, the college of the caribou, which is now TRU, Right, the support and the fans. That not only were you, when you went to Mal, you knew, okay, you got to grind it over on Friday and be ready to compete, or you're playing Camosun, and you know their program wasn't too strong at that point, and you got to get get up in the morning and, and make your way up to play and be ready to compete. But also, you knew that you were going to get like a a really good environment. And and mm-hmm. talk about the community of Nanaimo as a whole and the support that they've had for VIU because I'm sure you've experienced it on many different levels. Yeah, it's amazing and. We, I don't know, you, you played with the wooden bleachers back then, but we've upgraded the bleachers. Yeah. We got a nice set of uh, all-around bleachers. And a Friday night in, at VIU against like a marquee opponent when Langara was good when they're coming in, an island rivalry against Camosun, it is a packed house. And the energy is fantastic. We get a lot of regular support. We get a lot of, um, you know, teams from the community will come out. A lot of uh, families come out and watch. And we get some rowdy fans too. So, and we have the dance team. And I think that, you know, the RVIU staff does an excellent job of our home game day production. And mm-hmm. I love it. I miss it. I really do. You know, the, the energy you would get from a, a packed house game at VIU, there's, there isn't an experience like it in the Pac West. And you know what? When I, you know, go ahead. I'm just, even go when ahead. I think to my U sports time, my CIS time, you know, at UVic, we would get some good crowds, but there's a lot of institutions too that you know you don't even get the atmosphere close to the atmosphere we would have at BIU. It's true. Um, I don't know if you've experienced or had that opportunity to know any of the Min- the Monroe boys. Like Tim, um, Dave passed away, but these mm-hmm. guys were like the number one chirpers. Man, they would be behind the hoop, face paint, uh-huh. chirping, and then it was great though because like when my parents moved there, it was like. I would go, you know, we go for a couple of beers after and it was, there was always, yeah. you know, after the competition was over, but it was, I've always, always had a great time, you know, playing over there and competing for many of the reasons. And that, that's one of them. And it's a unique experience for sure. Yeah. I love it. I love it. I can't yeah. wait to get back. Awesome. Great stuff, man. Um, you ready to take on a few important questions before we let you go? Yes. I don't know if I'll be able okay. to answer them quite clearly, but I will. Okay. All right. Don't feel any pressure, even though it is the most yeah. important part of the podcast, okay? Yes. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I feel like people have probably just forwarded to this point anyways, so. <laughs> I'm yeah. kidding, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. Yeah. 
Who do you think's the greatest basketball player of all time? Michael Jordan. Easy. My favorite, though, probably Kobe. Yeah. Okay. Just because Kobe was more your era? More, more my era. And, you know, probably to a fault, I probably love Kobe so much that I maybe tried to emulate his game and I got too ISO heavy and that wasn't going well with coaches and some of them will laugh <laughs> at that when they hear it, but yeah. <laughs> Not for Clark. That's for sure. Yeah. Love it. Oh, um, yeah. <laughs> who's the, who's the greatest player you've played against and, and maybe, you know, a couple of the greatest players that you've had the opportunity to coach against or coach. I know it's an awkward one because again, you're, you, you sound like a total culture guy. And so, you know, those individual awards mm-hmm. can be uncomfortable, but, just who are mm-hmm. some who are some people that come to mind over the years when you look back and reflect? Well, I'll say the toughest ones I played against. I mean, I have to go with Chris Trumpy from my first two years at UVic. Just he's the definition of tough. Um, and then I'll kind of leave it at that for the playing. But I would say for the guys that I've coached, some guys that you know over the years, Brandon Jones, who we won a national championship with in our first year, Usama Zaid, Justin King, Tyus Barfoot has to be on there. And then maybe a more unknown guy and a less flashy guy who's just been a foundation of our program was Jason Fortin was his name. And he was a workhorse, a rebounder, um, just an all around great guy, but there's plenty more. And hopefully if guys aren't listening and I forgot your name, please don't hold me to it. <laughs> it's all good. Um, Corbin's sitting here nodding his head. Cause he actually, he played baseball at, uh, at VIU. So he's like, he was around watching some of the teams and stuff from, from back in the day. So Sweet. yeah. What's up Corbin? Um, Said, what's up? What's up Matt? <laughs> um, I know you got a you got a young family. So what about ketchup on macaroni? How are we feeling about that? You know, we talked about never. fitness and no, oh yeah, no, never, never. Perfect. And the only kind of macaroni Jonesy's getting is the Annie's macaroni right now. We used to get the real yes. stuff, the KD, right? But he's getting yeah. the Annie's. What what color box? He likes the both the orange and the purple. Oh yeah, the purple one's deadly white cheddar i mean yeah. and i and there's always a yeah. little bit at the end of the pot for us hey yeah yeah of course yes yeah. yes he knows he knows i yeah. love it i may have got desperate on the weekend and just made two boxes of it and just said straight up this is what we're both having for lunch but <laughs> you know you're in a tough place when you do that for sure yeah we have our dark memories hey this is a safe space man a hoops journey is a safe place you're open to sharing um Who's been the most important person or people in your life? I'd have to go with my mom. I mean, my mom was just, you know, when I, when I think of the, yeah, the most important person, the person who always there for me, the person I could say anything to my mom. And then, you know, Kate, my wife's been there cause she's, it's been 17 years now. So there's been just, you know, so much we've been through. Awesome. Yeah. I think, um, we've talked about this a lot too, is, you know, if you're a coach, it, you, you definitely need, you know, if you, if you do have a partner, um, mm-hmm. they got to be really supportive and and do a lot behind the scenes that I think a lot of people don't really realize, you know? Yeah. yeah. And then I got to pick up my game in the off season with things around the house. Yeah. She, yeah. you know, she picks up the slack then and I really got to step up. So I, once <laughs> COVID hit, yeah, I was working. I was doing lots around here. <laughs> don't worry. Soon you'll be making that master's money too, you know? It'll just be raking it. Yeah. Stacking bread. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, okay. So you, whatever you're on your commute to uh VIU for practice, what is bumping in, in the ride? What do we got? What kind of, what kind of music are we listening yeah. to? Yeah. 
I'm a pretty open guy in the sense that I like all, I would say I'm quite influenced by my players. So I keep, I, you know, I used to, I, I was a hip hop guy, always rap hip hop guy. And I would, I would look up stuff and research and all that. I don't have time for that now. So I just, you know, sometimes <laughs> whatever my guys are listening to, I'll, I'll pick through some of that. Um, I personally lately have been listening to a lot of acoustic classic playlists on, um, iTunes. So, you know, just, okay old, old kind of landslide, things like that from Fleetwood Mac, the Beatles, Neil Young, Elton John, those kind of things too. So a bit more chill stuff right now. The wife actually hit us with like a, she found a 70, 80s acoustic playlist as well. She really enjoys it. It's really nice. Yeah. Good stuff. I might have to send it over. I will. I will. Um, What bag of chips you you go to we'll give drip coffee we'll give drip coffee a little shout out right you stop there for yeah. a frappuccino and then uh yep. you hit sev on the way what bag of chips are you grabbing yeah i don't you definitely want to get hit drip coffee for some beautiful spot in departure bay but then i don't know if 7-eleven is going to have these but it's uh i'm a hard bite guy for sure that's my favorite brand i like all the selection for the most part but i'd say my favorite would be the barbecue like sorry this isn't dead air. We're just taking a moment because, um, I mean, we're just waiting for Hard Bite to reach out for sponsorship, aren't we, yeah. Kirk? Yeah. <clears throat> Is everyone loving that? Uh, did you, the owner, actually, Vancouver-based company, and uh, yeah. the gentleman is a uh, listener of the pod and coaches at Elgin Park. Yeah, well, we're right. So, I, mean, I heard Joe gave him a shout-out, too, so come on, that's two now. Yep. Yep. So now is about the time, Hard Bite. <clears throat> yeah. Eric? Yeah. And also, uh, Jim sent me a really nice uh, package from Drip. I got so I got some coffee, I got a little to-go mug, and I got a toque. So I'll, I'll Scotty, make sure I do. Scotty sent that over. Yeah. Well, yeah. I donated nice. to the boys for I donated to the boys for the, the Jim's kids little uh, blanket thing, and right, uh, okay. I'd already sent them. I'd already sent the money, and then he said, "Oh, you know, do it through the site so you get a tax receipt." And I said, "Okay, well, buy some coffee." Um, and and nice. then he and he flipped it on me and sent me a package back that freaking goof so awesome but yeah yeah it was nice yeah yeah very nice yeah um this has been great man you know i i know that i hope that people who don't know a lot about the island or in terms of basketball and the community really hear just how supportive and great it is because i think there's so many great people that i've been able to connect with we've gone to the oak bay tournament the last few years and it's been fun you know hides is one of my favorites and become a real mentor and friend to me and and for franklin to kind of let us come over it's been awesome um so great reflection and you know i think you have lots of great years ahead of you but you know right now in your life if you could do it all again you would what hmm. i was kind of thinking of that <clears throat> and maybe the only thing that popped in just from an athletic standpoint and that i've learned in my later life is that i think that you can push your body and your mind a lot further than i thought you could at the time you know i've realized mm-hmm even from like, this would be an extreme example of it, but looking at a guy like David Goggins, if you know him and what he does, Mm -hmm. I think we just have a lot more in our tanks than we thought we did. And then the other thing, and it's kind of what I was looking at in my master's would be, I think that we underestimate, and it's actually a proven study, we underestimate how much can change over a short period of time throughout the course of our lives. So when we're in our teenage years or our, our 20s, we are, we way underestimate how much change we can, uh, you know, that we can take place over the next few years. So just understanding that things can be done and I guess you got to get the ball rolling on them and get to start the motion of it and it can happen. Good stuff. Wow. Here we go. Look at that. Just yeah. end it right there. Drop the mic. Just we're out. <laughs> yeah. 
Is there anyone you feel like you didn't uh, shout out or any last kind of reflections um, before we send you on your way to deal with uh, children and masters and uh, and married life? Well, I mean, I probably did miss a lot of people, but just know that if, if your name was missed, I'm thinking about you. Like even when you said Coach Hyde, I mean, the two years at UVic, Coach Hyde was awesome. I can remember mostly about him. We used to play cards on the road all the time. We used to play hearts. And the the banter that would go on there it was just so fun. And so there's so many people that I probably did miss, but, you know, maybe we'll get that another time. Yeah. Good, man. Round two. Again, thank you so much for being with us. We wish you nothing but continued success. Uh, can't wait till times are, you know, a little better and I can come support the boys when they make it over and, uh, you know, just keep doing what you're doing. Good luck with the masters learning and growing and, and sharing the game and, and do what you can to help the, you know, the hoopers in our province. So thanks again. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. I really appreciate right. it. It's been a ton of fun talking with you guys. Corbin, take care. Right on. Aaron, take care guys. You got it. Shout out to our sponsors, good lad and Parkside brewery. And we can't wait to catch you on our next episode. <laughs>